Today, on Commitment to Truth. If we're speaking to someone about something very difficult, if our words are seasoned with salt, they should want to hear more, not less. If you're saying and communicate to someone, someone you love, something super important, and they don't want to hear you, check your seasoning. It needs to be said, but it's how do I say it? Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. So, how do we avoid this drift because of a lack of self-control? Can you open your Bibles with me to James chapter 1? We're going to read verse 19 and 20 and then skip over to James chapter 3. What is first self-control? James chapter 1 verse 19 and 20 says this. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. So if you get angry, lose your self-control, it does not bring about the what? The righteousness of God. And I don't know about you, I've, I've been there. Have you been there? You get angry and the righteousness of God goes right out of the window, right? So what you find in these, this verse here, you find three aspects of self-control. The first is this, quick learner. Be a quick learner, be a slow speaker. Number two, secondly, be slow to anger. You see, the word quick to hear means this, quick to find out are to quickly learn. So we have to become people that we quickly discern, quickly find out, and quickly learn to maintain self-control. But then you also find that we must be slow to speak. The word speak means this, slow to declare one's mind and disclose one's thoughts. Some of us, some of us disclose what we think in too quickly. And then we regret what we said as a man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have expressed how I was feeling too soon. Or maybe you like me as well. It's, and it's beautiful how when you look at the text and define key words, it really makes it clean and clear. It says to declare one's mind. In other words, you have that person that's going to just say whatever's on their mind. But then you have people like me who discloses one's thoughts or hold on to your thoughts. You're thinking it and it's all wrong and it's unrighteous and it oozes out in behavior. So it's always two types of people. You, you're going to be thinking it, trust me. If you're not saying it, you're thinking it. You ever been around a person, they say what you were thinking? It's like, dang, they said exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> right? So, so you're going to have that. So quick to hear, slow to speak. And then lastly, again, this description or aspect of self-control, slow to anger. Slow-tempered, slow to movement or agitation of the soul you don't get agitated quickly on the inside. Slow to impulse. You know, I'm mad at him, so I'm just going to go out and buy some shoes. Or I'm mad at her, I'm just going to buy the boat. Slow to desire or any violent emotion. 
slow the wrath. Very easy to want to just take it out on someone who's done something to you. But yet self-control says, I'll be quick to hear, to understand, and learn why they did it. I'm going to be slow to say something about this, and I won't take action. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Make sense? So James chapter 3, verse 2 summarizes self-control in this way. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, complete, wanting nothing man or woman, able to rein in the whole body as well. So if we can guard and control what we say, what comes out of us, and what you think, because what you think is really what you're saying as well, because God judges the thoughts and intentions of a man. And I believe that the Lord is so wise in, in, in what he has written and allows us to learn about is because there's always those two types of people, the one who says it too quickly and the ones who thinks it, but don't say a word. It's always those two types of people who deals with issues, right? So he, our challenge is that, man, if I can control what I say and what I'm thinking that I want to say, I got this self-control thing down packed. Right? Because what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you think on it long enough, you're eventually going to do what? Act on it. Right? Think about relational aspects. Someone can warn someone verbally and say, if you keep doing that, I'm going to do this. If you keep doing that, I'm going to do this. If you keep doing that, I'm going to do this. If you keep doing it, I won't do this. Right? But then those other people will be like, okay, keep doing it. <laughs> and I won't even let you in on my thoughts. But you keep doing it? I'm going to do this. When you think on it long enough, you begin to act on it. So our challenge is, God, help us to have that self-control that even what I say, what I think, is harnessed by you. When I think about that person, if it's not right, I'll correct it. What I said about that person, or I want to say about that person, or that situation, I'll correct it. Even if I said it, I'll go back and correct it. Because remember, God has made you the way you are. We need verbal people. We need people who says things that people won't say. Believe it or not, that's healthy. But it has to be under self-control. We need people who says, hey, we probably shouldn't say nothing right now, even though we all want to say something. But even still, we have to have controlled thoughts. Make sense? So it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you hold it in and think. It's not a bad person because you, you just you verbalize everything you feel. But the key in it all is being self-controlled no matter what. Make sense? So that being said, how do we avoid drifting because of our lack of self-control? James chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. James chapter 3, beginning with verse 3. 3 through 4 gives us our first point. It says this. Now, 
If we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. Look at the ships too. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by a very small rudder. Whatever the inclination of the pilot determines. Think about that for a minute. I love riding horses. Just a little tidbit about me. Love riding horses. Actually, one day, one of my dreams, God, if you permit it, I would love to have horses of my own. But here's the deal. One thing I know when you ride a horse is if you're on, if you're mounted on that horse, you can make that horse do whatever you want. I mean, that horse can literally take you wherever it wants and will sometimes. But just having that bit in his mouth says, no, you want to go that way. I'm taking you this way. And it surrenders and it submits to you. Even if you don't even know the horse, you can hop on a strange horse and make that horse go wherever you want it to go. That's the power of the tongue. That's the power of our words. I mean, some of us, Pastor Ken and I were talking about earlier, they went on a cruise. Now, now humongous, like life-size, you know, ships that a small country can probably live on. All it takes is a rudder to direct it wherever it wants to go, even in the midst of storms. Sounds like life. Think about this. Let's say that you're in the midst of a storm, complexities of life. All you need is someone to tell you something to direct you somewhere, potentially that you shouldn't even go. So our challenge is to understand this, the first part of our answering the question of how do we avoid the drift because of lack of self-control is that we should always be people who give safe direction. We all have the privilege to speak into situations, speak into people's lives, speak into circumstances. We should always be men and women who are mindful of our words that we are giving safe passage, safe direction. The best thing to do is if you don't know that if it's safe, be quiet. And if it's, you're not giving them Passage based upon the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path, the word of God, right? Don't give any direction at all. Don't give direction based on opinion, based on emotions. Let it be God's heart, God's emotion. See, the word direct means this, direct the whole body. It is to lead over or if you look at some synonyms attached to the word direct, it means to steer, to route, to pilot or to control. And so many times our challenge is that we want to control situations. We want to control outcomes of people's lives. We want to control people's lives. Sometimes it's good intention. Well, I don't want to see my my girlfriend hurts. So then you just give your opinion. You know, you don't see, you don't want to. See, your, your, your good friend go through the marital issues and you say, man, you know, if, if, I was, if that was me, this is what I would do. I mean, it goes and applies to every single area of our lives, financial stewardship. How do you conduct yourself on the job with your employer? Well, man, just go look for another job. <laughs> 
How do you know that's the will of God for a person? Maybe God wants them to go through what they're going through on their job, to learn submission to authority. Versus looking erratic and going from job to job to job to job to job, and it then tarnishes your resume long term. But one is listen to every person in their lives to say, hey, well, you need to go over there because it's going to make you more money. Or, you know, I wouldn't put up with that. And then before you know it, tarnishes your, your resume long term. Because we, we what? Misdirected each other. See, leading others safely with our words is always a requirement for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We are required to lead people and direct people the right way. In a multitude of counsel, there is safety. And in the body of Christ should be a safe place to receive wise counsel about anything. And here's the cool thing about it. If we don't know, we have the one who does know. And all we need to do is humble ourselves and say, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. But we humbly bow before you to ask for your wisdom to give us clear direction. And he will. What we say should always give direction. Secondly, you find in verse 5 and 6, again, James chapter 3, it says, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of, unrighteous, world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our bodies, parts, as that which defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. What we say, second point, should never be destructive. Should never be destructive. It says, how great a force is set aflame. We shouldn't be lighting people's lives up and kindling fires in people's lives at all. We should be quenching fires and putting fires out rather than burning people's lives up. It says it defiles the whole body. You remember uh, the scripture says that, that Jesus is coming back for a church or a bride that is what, what, with what? Without spot or blemish. You see what our words can do? It can defile the whole body. You know what this word defile means? To spot it. So think about this. Christ is coming back for brides that is without spot or blemish. But we, the body of Christ, have the tendency to create more spots. We should be a family, a body, a community that is helping to remove spots from people's lives, not creating more spots. We should be bathing with the word of God and washing people clean. Yeah, you can come in dirty and all messed up. It's good. <laughs> but it shouldn't leave that way. Jesus shouldn't come back for us that way. We should be spotless. 
sets on fire the course of our lives and is set on fire to hell. Listen, one thing that we have to understand, church, is this, is that you and I are saved by grace, not by works. But our works are a lack of works, which includes the way we speak and conduct ourselves, can send other people to hell. Looseness of tongue and just saying whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, and just destroying people around you. Listen, destroying the credibility of your employer should never be and leave the lips of uh, the mouth of a believer. Destroying, listen, do you realize that those in authority have been placed in authority by God? So when we start discrediting presidents, start discrediting, you know, congressmen and senators and just cutting them up with our words, do we understand what we're really doing? Do we understand what we're doing when we, we have our kitchen conversations or our alone conversations with other people is that we're literally giving room for the enemy to cause destruction in so many people's lives, including yourselves. Just giving them space, giving them fuel to ignite the fire. We have to be under, understand and realize that no, what we can say can destroy lies and even redirect or direct them towards hell. You see, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 admonishes us this way. It says, the one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Do you hear what it says? It's saying that the one who is speaking can ultimately affect himself. Let's read it again, please. The one who desires life, and I'm, I'm sure everyone in this room today and whoever hears this would say, yeah, I desire life and I desire to love and to see good days. I mean, can we say amen to that, right? But here's the challenge. We must all keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. It's a requirement for good days, good life, and love. We don't think about it that way, right? We just think about, I can just say whatever I want to say, and, it, and, and I'm saying it because it makes me feel better. I'm getting it off my chest. I'm telling them what they need to hear. But conversely, it's affecting you. It's affecting me. We may think that, yeah, I'm saying it because I want them to hear me. I want them to feel like I feel, or whatever motivation it may be, right? But at the end of the day, reciprocally, it's hurting me. Our words are never to destroy, but rather they should give light, give life, and provide, provide good days. Give life. It should be life and good days and life and good days. That's what we're required to give. Amen? Number three, we find in verse seven and eight. It says, <clears throat> For every species of beasts and birds, of, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed 
and has been tamed by the human race. But no one among us or mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, I don't want us to be kind of conflicted here. It says no one can tame the tongue. I think it really is saying this. It's difficult to tame the tongue because if the Lord doesn't, if he's commanded us to tame our tongue, it's possible. God would never command us to do anything that is not possible to attain. Makes sense. So, but taming the tongue is extremely difficult because whatever is in my heart, it's going to come out. Makes sense. It's just going to ooze out if you like it or not. So it says no one can, no, no, uh, no one among mankind can tame the tongue, which means no one can curb and restrain the tongue. But then listen to what Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says. Your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you would know how you should respond to each person. Taming the tongue isn't necessarily saying you shouldn't say anything. Because that is virtually impossible for every human being. But how you say it is possible. And that's why you see in Colossians chapter 4, and if you read it in its full context, it says pray that we should say and speak how we ought to speak. If we can just pause just long enough and say, God, something needs to be said. Can you help me? And give me the wisdom on how to say what needs to be said. Amen. Just that bit of pause of acknowledging him in all of your ways. God, this is, this is ticking me off. This is frustrating me. I got to tell him about it because I'm done. I just feel taken advantage of. If you don't say anything, you're going to implode. Period. But it's, how do you say it? How do you say it? Is it seasoned with salt? It's so beautiful that the scriptures use that term, right? And use salt, right? Think about this. Some of us may have high blood pressure. And too much salt's not good for you. Some of us have low blood pressure. And salt, more salt is required. Some foods taste really bland with no seasoning. It requires salt. Some foods can be over-seasoned, and then I don't want to taste it. Salt also preserves. So should our speech. Salt also creates a thirstiness. So should our speech. If we're speaking to someone about something very difficult, if our words are seasoned with salt, they should want to hear more, not less. And if, here, here, so here, here's a, here's a checkbox for you. If you're saying and communicate to someone 
Someone you love, something super important, and they don't want to hear you, check your seasoning. Check your seasoning. Now remember, salt, depending on what recipe, is added at certain times, right? Some of us added in the, in the pre-preparation stage. Some of us added in the midst of. Some is added afterwards. Which says there's timing that is required. It needs to be said, but it's how do I say it? I need to say this to my husband because he doesn't hear me or I feel that I'm not being heard. Doesn't mean you walk around silent and disconnect from your husband. But every time you say it and your husband rejects you, you probably should check your seasoning. And guys, listen, remember, the scripture warns us, do not exacerbate your children. If your children are being exacerbated by us, fathers, check your seasoning. Because chances are I'm over-seasoning, over-seasoning because I'm dad. And you're going to respect me because I'm dad. But there's a generation of guys who under-season. Because they're weak, afraid, timid, and he's holding it in. Hold it in and say nothing. No, all of it's wrong. Our tongues need to be tamed. And a tamed tongue is a well-seasoned tongue. It's a well-seasoned tongue. A tamed tongue is well-seasoned. Say that a hundred five times, you know. A tame tongue is a well-seasoned tongue and it curbs its speech and shows restraint. Lastly, we find in verses 9 through 12. It says, with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring send from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives? Or a vine bear figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. I guess unless you boil the salt out. But you understand what it's saying. So in summary, here's our challenge, is that what we say should always bless. Shouldn't be blessing or curse one day, cursing one day, bless one day, curse one day, fresh, salty, fresh, salty, fresh, salty. So if I'm fresh one day, salty the other day, healthy words one day, unhealthy words next day. 
is it really the words that come out my mouth or is it the heart that it comes from? The word bless means this, to praise, to celebrate with praises, to invoke blessings, to ask God's blessing on a thing, to cause, to prosper, to make happy, to bestow the favor of God. Can I ask you just to take a quick inventory of your life? Those times that you blurt out and say things that you probably eventually will regret, and you say it typically towards a person, chances are, right? Is that person that you said that to always bad? No, you're just upset because chances are you didn't get your way. Chances are they didn't move when you thought they should move based upon what you said the last time you said it. So therefore the words become inflamed, right? Because you're going to hear me, you're going to respect me, you're going to do what I say to do. So I use sharper words, profanity, you know, anger-driven words, right? Because you got to hear me today. I need you to hear me right now. So maybe a good, a good thing to do is to always be thinking and always be in pursuit of saying, you know, yes, what he's done today or what is irritating me because he doesn't put the toilet paper on the spool the way I want him to and he squeezes the toothpaste and he leaves his socks on the middle of the floor and blah, 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 right? And sometimes it's not even that detrimental to life. But we forget all of the other good stuff that a person has done and that a person is. And then all we do is speak death in a person's life and that person becomes ultimately who you regret them to be. Versus pausing long enough and say, you know what, God? Yeah, it irritates me if she does that, but I'm gonna speak life over my wife over my kids, over my job, over my ministry, pick it, whatever, whatever. Well, you know, you gotta quit spending so much and you, you know, you're the reason why we're in debt and who's gonna respond to that? But if you, if you just stop, Who's going to respond to that? But here could be an approach. You know, sweetheart, you're such an amazing wife and you do, and just list all the amazing qualities. And then at the right time, you add the seasoning. It could be in that conversation or it could be a conversation a year from now that you say, hey, sweetheart, listen, there's something that's just been really frustrating me, discouraging me. You know, um, I'm trying my very best to honor the Lord and get our finances back on track. 
And God has convicted me about this. I don't know what he's saying to you right now, but he's convicted me. And, and you know, and every time I'm, I'm sitting down working a budget out and I see these random purchases, it seems like it just puts us in a hole, us, us in a hole over and over again. And, and it's kind of frustrating and, and discouraging that I'm trying to honor the Lord and, and this just keeps popping up month after month. And it's like we can't get our head above water. And, 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 and as I pray and ask the Lord, what should we do? I'm convicted because it's like, well, God, I, I don't feel like we're being a good steward of, of what we should be, you know, handling is, you know, what he's already given us. So my conviction is why, why would he give me more? Why would he give us more if we can't handle what we have? And sweetheart, please forgive me if I let us down this track and forgive me if, uh, if, I didn't say anything sooner. Said the same thing, but seasoned with salt. Again, God doesn't say to us that we should never say something, but it's when you say it, how you say it. And many times, silence is even speaking at the right time. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 29, describes the benefits of healthy words. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others, uh, building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Our speech is only meant to bless and bestow God's favor upon others. Let me close with this proverb and make it our prayer today. Amen. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 and 28. We can make this our prayer. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. Three things. Lord, help us use our words with restraint. Can you pray that right now for yourself? Just Lord, Help me use my words with restraint. The second part of this verse, you could pray for yourself. God, help us to remain even-tempered. Even-tempered, even-killed. And lastly, pray that, Lord, help us remember it's wise to keep silent. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our latest sermon series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, 
Or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.